All right, today turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we'll start reading in verse number 14. And today we're going to do a little study on uh, the standing and the state of a Christian. The standing and the state of a Christian. Now, basically the premise of this message is going to be to let you know that as a Christian, you have a standing and that you have a state. As a Christian, your standing will never change. You are bought with the price. You have been bought and paid for. You have become a new creature, which we'll see here in verse 17. And you are now the sons of God. You are sealed by the Spirit of God until the day of redemption. That's Ephesians chapter number 1 and verse number 13 and 14. You're sealed to the day of redemption. Your standing in Christ is now, the sta- you have the standing of, the, of being a son of God. Now, your state is a different matter. Uh, you oftentimes hear the phrase state of being or state of mind. Uh, your state simply refers to the condition that you're in right now this instant now the bible says in first uh, john chapter one if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and so from time to time uh, even as christians we may uh, find ourselves uh, uh, a little unfaithful, find ourselves not serving as we ought to, find ourselves uh, dabbling in things that we ought not to, to mess with, and from time to time we're going to find ourselves in those conditions. Other times we'll be full of zeal, we'll be following the Lord, we'll have plenty of joy and plenty of strength, we'll have plenty of peace, we'll, we'll have uh, plenty of assurance, And but that's our state, you see, that's, that's the condition that we're in at any particular or any given moment and we're going to talk about the differences in these things because it's very important that we understand them and the reason that it's that it's uh, important that we understand these things is because some people might go through their new testament and only point out the things that have to do with their standing at that only have to do with the fact that we're saved and that there's so many wonderful things that we receive by being saved and they might misapply those from our standing to our state it doesn't matter if you're a sinner we're all sinners you don't have to worry about discipleship you don't have to worry about walking worthy of your vocation you don't have to worry about walking worthy of the lord we're all saved we're all sons of god now don't have to worry about any kind of regulation you don't have to worry about any kind of restraint but that's a falsehood and the only way that you can be misled by that falsehood is to forget that you not only have a standing and that you're god's son but you also have a state. It's the condition in which you find yourself living at any given moment. Now, you can't live good enough to be saved, but you can live like you are saved. You can't live good enough to go to heaven, but you can discipline yourself to live like you are going to heaven. You know, you can't live so perfectly that somebody would confuse you for being Jesus, but you can live in such a way that they can know that you've been with Jesus and that you're a friend of Jesus and that you're on Jesus side so that certainly is true it certainly is important to understand and so the Bible says here in verse number 14 
For the love of Christ constraineth us. The love of Christ constraineth us. See now, it, our restraint or the constraint or the discipleship of a Christian life isn't necessarily based on the Ten Commandments, but it's based on the fact that we broke the Ten Commandments and that Christ loved us enough to die on the cross for us and save us. And from that, we receive the restraint. Boy, I can't walk that way no more. Jesus saved me from that. Or you might say to yourself, boy, I've been walking kind of poorly here. I've been living kind of poorly. And that's not what Jesus would want from me. And you'll find a place of repentance. You'll find a place of forgiveness. And you'll find a place of getting right. And boy, I've been saved a long time since about 1974. And boy, I can tell you this. There's been many times I've had to get right. Many times I was walking my own way. But I could have just rested in the fact, hey, I'm saved. I can keep doing this. No, that's not true at all. I'm saved and God saved me for a better purpose. He saved me for a higher calling. He saved me for a better purpose. And boy, I better uh, it's hard to do in the flesh, but I better discipline myself in order to walk worthy. There's a judgment day coming. There's a day of reward coming. There's a day out there where God will judge us according to uh, to the things that were done in the flesh. And boy, we better be prepared for that day. And the Christian life, the Christian discipleship is about getting prepared for that day. Spiritually, I'm prepared spiritually I'm sanctified spiritually I'm justified my soul is saved it's secured it's sealed to the day of redemption my status as God's son is unchanging because he changes not but my daily life, uh, my daily zeal, my, 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 the life that I live on a daily basis has to be constantly checked and constantly worked on. Paul says, the things that I do, I allow, he said, I allow not. I do some things I ain't even supposed to do. That's Romans chapter 7. It's one of the great chapters. And we'll probably visit that chapter today. Matter of fact, we're visiting it right now. Paul says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He said that because he just went through several verses there uh, explaining to you, there's some things that I hate. I do those things. There's some things I want to do, I should do, but I don't do those things. I said, hey, what's it going to take? It's going to take discipline. And when I begin to discipline my, myself, I find out that there's a war raging in this flesh there's a war for who's going to control my life God of the flesh and that war is a war we have to fight on a daily basis and you can just sum that up by saying discipleship Christian discipleship and our the state of the state of our discipleship on a day-to-day -day basis is is the reality about who we are in the flesh our standing God's son our state Faithful or unfaithful. So there's labels to these things. Uh, zealous or not zealous. Faithful or unfaithful. So uh, there is definitely an advantage to pointing out these scriptures. And that's basically what we're going to do. We're not going to go through all the aspects of our standing we're not going to go through all the aspects of our state. We're just going to point out from the Bible that we do have a standing and that we do have a state and why that is important for us today. And it's important because your standing will never change, but your state, you can do something about that. Your state uh, may be down. You can do something about that. Your state may be up. Your, st your state may be 
stabilized. Your state may be a state of establishment, but you got to work on that and not only just settle for being established, but abound more and more and more and more. So looking here in this passage of scripture, as we've already read, for the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead and that he that and that he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. The the Christian life is a life lived for God. It's a life lived for God primarily. It's a life lived for others uh, in the sense that now we serve God, but we serve God by the ministry of reconciliation. Well, that ministry of reconciliation is the reconciliation of others. The love of Christ constrains us, he said, and he said, we judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. That he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves but unto him that died for them and rose again so when it says down in verse number uh, 18 and 19 that God has given us the ministry of reconciliation and the word of reconciliation we're living for others we don't live for ourselves now we live for God we don't live for ourselves now we live for others we live to reconcile the world unto God that is our purpose it is our calling and so he says in verse number 17 therefore if any man be in Christ he is a new creature that is your Stand, that is your standing. You are a new creature. You have a new purpose. That purpose was given to you when you was born again. You were something else. You were born again. You became a new creature. God gave you a new purpose. That is all by grace. But the disciplining of yourself, the learning of these things that you need to know, the uh, the uh, adaptation of, of concepts, principles, doctrines into your life. It's a life of discipleship. And this directly affects your state of being on a day-to-day basis. Uh, and the, the Christian life, as far as the flesh is concerned, is so unstable that you could be up high one day and down low the next day. Get right with God and get back up and then grow, 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 get back up real high over a course of a period of time fall right back down and so we're unstable creatures but that's the reason that God gave us his word so that we could be established so that we could have assurance so that we could have strength Ephesians chapter number six these things are great things these things cannot be overlooked or there's no way uh, to run the race uh, correctly for the Lord Jesus Christ so he says we have a standing new creatures we have a standing we're the sons of god but he also says we have a we have a state of being that state needs to be constrained we uh, he says in verse 15 uh, he says we should not henceforth live unto ourselves and of course the actual wording of the verse that if he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them. So we're talking about a new life. We're talking about a life of restraint uh, in verse number 14. And we're, uh, we're talking about a life of discipline, verse number 14 and 15. Uh, and we're talking about a life of restraint and discipline because we are new creatures. We have a new standing. We have a new standing. Therefore, we must be discipled to live up to the state that God wants us to, to dwell in, to survive in, to walk in. If you want to use that terminology, that's good Bible terminology. The Bible says that you walk 
worthy. And that's talking about your daily life. Your standing is you're saved and you're eternally saved. But your daily state, how is that? Are you walking worthy? If he tells you to walk worthy, then it stands to reason that you might be walking unworthily. Otherwise, there'd be no use in mentioning it at all. Turn to Ephesians chapter number 2. And we'll begin to look at some of these things. And I don't think it'll take too long to go through these things. But we'll just show that there is a a very uh, uh, real, a very plain, uh, established set of scriptures that run through the New Testament that tell us that there is a difference in our standing with God and the difference in our state of being while serving God. And so... Uh, sometimes we ought to be serving God when we're not, but we're going to see that very clearly. Uh, uh, Ephesians chapter number 2 and verse number 1, And you hath he quickened, that's your standing. He said, You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now here's your past state, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Obedience, disobedience, that's your state right there, your disobedience. Now that's the state of the world. But now he says down in verse number 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's grace. You got your standing, you became a son of God by grace. Before you were saved, you were children of disobedience. You were living in a disobedient state and your standing was lost. You were alone. Chapter number two goes on to say that. You were alone and you were without hope. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.12 that at that time you were without Christ. That was your standing. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. That was your state. And strangers from the covenant of promise. That's your state. Having no hope and without God in the world. So that's where you stood before. Now that you're saved by grace, you've got a new standing. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. But the Bible didn't stop in verse number 9. It says in verse number 10, For we are His workmanship. God's going to work on us after we're saved. God's going to deal with us after we're saved. God's going to improve us after we're saved. And He says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Now that's your state right there. The Lord has a discipleship program for you. He wants to change your mind. He wants to change your heart. Romans chapter 12 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you uh, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, which is acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, discipled, changed, uh, brought into a new way of life. You have a standing. You're saved. Now commit that say, commit that it, commit in that salvation to transform the renewing of your mind, the direction of your body. You're to present that body holy. That's a state. Acceptable. That's a state. That's not your standing. Separate from your standing. Your standing is you're saved by the grace of God. Your state now ought to be that you're following after God to do the good works that he saved you to do. He says, for we are his workmanship 
created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So discipleship after salvation, walk in good works, he says in verse number 10. Uh, The discipline of it shows up in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, where he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, uh, let me quote that correctly to you here. He says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy, walk worthy, Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. That same discipline shows up over in Colossians. Let's turn there. Colossians chapter number 1. And in Colossians chapter number 1, verse number 9, I believe it is. He says, uh, uh, for uh, for, for this cause also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Why? That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Your life, you're not just saved, that's your standing, but the state of your state of being ought to be that you walk worthy, that your walk is pleasing to God, that the things you allow is pleasing to God. And that's why it says in Philippians chapter one that you're to increase in the love of God and in the knowledge of God and you're supposed to increase in those things so that you can approve things that are excellent things that God sees excellent you'll see them as excellent and you can only come to that place where you see the things that God sees as excellent that you'll see those things as excellent the only way you can come to that uh, state of being is through discipleship through through transforming your mind, through transforming the way you see things. And you can do that through the Word of God, through prayer, through following God, going to preaching. That's the way you get to that place. It's a life of discipline, a life of discipline. Boy, I feel like I should go over there and just read that. Philippians chapter number 1. And he says, this I pray, verse number nine, this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more. How? In knowledge. Read more. He said, all we need is love. The only way you're going to get that is through reading, through the knowledge of God. Where do you find the knowledge of God? You find it in the word. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Why? Verse number 10, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense you can't be sincere i sincerely love god you might say you can't be sincere that you love god unless you know what god expects of you and god you say well god don't expect nothing of us all we no, you're talking about your standing when it comes to your standing as being born again being saved you got that through the work of christ you got that through christ state christ state was holy sinless undefiled he was the son of god he got god's own blood in his veins and he lived as he ought to have lived he fulfilled the law and he died on the cross for your sins you got your standing by grace and you got your standing by the fact that christ christ's state of being his his principles his ethics everything involved with the sinless son of god was good enough his state of being was good enough that he might offer himself as a substitute for your own death. The wages of sin is death. The sacrifice that God required for sins is your death. The wages of sin is death. Christ fulfilled that for you because he had a state that was worthy to put him into that position that he can say, Lord, I offer up myself. Father, I offer up myself to you in their place, which is exactly what took place. Now, you as a believer... That's to be that's to be your 
uh, desire is to be more like him. I want to improve myself more and more on a daily basis. Now, uh, also, we look over in uh, Jude, the book of Jude, and we'll read a couple verses over there. Uh, Jude, there's only one chapter, so look down once you find the book of Jude, and look down about verse number 24. Jude, verse number, no, let's look in verse number 20. And Jude, verse number 20, but ye beloved, building up yourselves. Now that, that has to do with discipleship, and that has to do with yourself. He says, build up yourself. Now, you don't have it within you to improve yourself. Now, the reason why a 14-year-old can't teach a 14-year-old how to be 15 years old is because he's never been 15 years old. You can't teach yourself how to be better because you don't have better in you. Uh, the Bible says there's none good. Well, he says, but ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You get in God's word. You pray, praying in the Holy Ghost. That's how he finishes out the verse. You read the word of God, you pray, and you you grow and you build yourself up just like you build yourself up physically when you eat the right things and drink the right things. You build yourself up spiritually by doing the right things that God expects of you, eating the right food. The Bible says, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. And so he says, build yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God. There is the love of God which extends to your standing as a son, and there is the love of God in which he will um, He will dwell with you. When the Bible says your sins have separated between you and your God, that he will not hear you he's talking about that fellowship of of first john chapter one where he said well boy we read that too first john chapter one he says this in first john chapter one he said this is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that god is light and in him is no darkness at all god is good there ain't no sin in him at all god is light there ain't no darkness in him at all if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness we lie now it didn't say relationship because your relationship is you're standing he's your father you're his son now he says this if we say that we have fellowship with him if we say that we're talking to god and god's talking to us but we're walking in darkness you a liar god said you as a liar that might be offensive to you and it ought to be offensive to you it ought to be just enough offensive to you to where you'd say hey i'm offended by the life i'm living myself and i'm going to try to do something about this it ought to be offensive to you the bible says jesus christ is a rock of offense when you see him it ought to make you so low in your own eyes that number one you'll either believe him or you'll be offended by him one of the two most people get offended by him and then they go on trying to live in that offense until they realize ain't nothing they can do about it they come to the they come to repentance and ask him to say you're right lord i i'm not good enough but lots of people get mad right off the bat well he says this then is the message which we've heard of him verse 6 he says if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness we lie and do not the truth but if we walk in the light He's not talking about necessarily in this case lost people either. He said, hey, if you're saved, we 
But if we, who's he talking about? The Mormons? Who's he talking about? The the Democrats? Who's he talking about? The Republicans? Who's he talking about? The Asians? The, the Americans? No, he's talking about the church. If we people who have come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got a relationship with him. But if we walk in darkness and say we're having fellowship with God, we're liars. But if we'll walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another, me with God. It's not talking about me and you having fellowship. It's talking about me and God, you and God. He says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves ourselves and the truth is not in us if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness you can be saved and and have your standing uh, as a son of god as a born again christian but your state can be out of fellowship. See see the difference between those things? Those are wonderful things and true things and undeniable things to help us walk this Christian life the way we ought to do it. I'm so glad that God didn't leave us in a place where we just walk off in a deceived mess and fulfill every lust of our own flesh and pretend like we were talking to God on a daily basis. But if we want to talk to Him, if we want to have fellowship with Him, then we'll come worship His way and we'll come deal with him his way and then that do nothing but improve our lives and make our lives better and we still have hardships but boy we have a better life James, uh, Simon Peter said it's good and he said it's acceptable and he said it's okay if, you, if you're going to suffer hey suffer for doing right rather than suffer to do for doing wrong suffering's going to come but make sure you're suffering for doing the right thing rather than doing the wrong thing first peter chapter one uh pardon me second peter chapter one i turned to the wrong place but second peter chapter one he said simon peter a servant and apostle of jesus christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us. We're talking about saved people here. We're talking about people born again. We're talking about people who God has saved by his marvelous grace. That's just standing saved there. Then verse 3 he says this. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Where does that come from? Does that come uh, through grace alone, no works? No, sir. It comes through the knowledge of Him. If you're going to reach these, if you're going to reach a powerful life, if you're going to direct your, He says, that pertain unto life, if you're going to direct your life, it's going to have to come through the knowledge of God. You're going to have to find the knowledge of God, and you're going to find that that knowledge of God is contrary to your own knowledge, and you're going to have to bend your knowledge to His knowledge. You're going to have to bend your will to his will you're going to have to bend uh, bend your lust to his holiness and that's a that's a thing we call discipleship then you get down to verse number uh verse number six and he tells you all about it uh, verse number five actually he tells you all about it add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience well you got for the folks that are virtuous and non-virtuous you don't get to heaven by being virtuous you become virtuous after you get saved. It's discipleship. It's your state. You can be saved. And why would Simon Peter tell people who were saved and automatically virtuous and everything they did was automatically right? Why would he tell them to add uh, virtue to their faith if they didn't need to do it? 
Why would he tell them to add knowledge to their virtue? Or why would he tell them to, uh, to add temperance to their knowledge? No, he's talking about uh, some, some things that you didn't get just because you're a son of God. You are a son of God. That's your standing. Your state is faithful or unfaithful. It's virtuous or unvirtuous. It's knowledgeable or unknowledgeable. It's temperate or intemperate. It's patient or impatient. It's godly or ungodly. It's kind or it's unkind. It's charity or it's uncharitable. There's no way to get around that, folks. You have a standing in that you are God's son, bought with a price, and now you must discipline your you must subject yourself to the discipline of God, to the way that God wants you to walk, the way he wants you to act, and to rebel against it is not to rebel against some legalistic, pharisaical preacher as you see it, but it's to, it's to, uh, it's to rebel against a holy and an almighty God. At, now, if you don't believe that, then you just turn back over to uh, uh, 1 Thessalonians, I believe it is, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. And he says, furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord, uh, by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, you ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. For you know what commandments, oh my soul, there's some of them dirty old commandments. There's some of them dirty old pharisaical, uh, legalistic commandments. But Paul said to the church of Thessalonica, we gave you some commandments for this this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain for fornication. Now, whether you uh, fornicating out there in somebody else's bed or out there in this world, or whether you fornicating watching it on television makes no difference at all. God's called you away from that stuff. He said it was His will for you to stop that stuff, and you either a fornicator or you're not. That's your state. You either an adulterer or you're not. That's your state. You either a blasphemer or you're not. That's your state. I'm so glad we're not saved by our state, but I'm so glad that God allowed us into a good state of being after we did get saved. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, he says. Verse number four, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel. You should be in possession of your body. Your body and its desire should not be in possession of you. It, not, not, uh, it ought not to control you. You ought to control it. And in order to do that, you're going to have to wake up every single morning, get on your knees, get out your Bible, pray, read, ask God to help you, ask God to lead you, ask God to guide you, get in a church where somebody that's done it before you and been down the road before you can help you and teach you you need to get into God's program if you want to God's children verse 6 that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter because the Lord is the avenger of all such God will get you if you defraud your brother but I'm saved God will get you Verse number seven, God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. God has called us, every single one of us, unto holiness. And he says this, if you despise that, if that makes you mad, if you're unwilling to go that far, if you don't want nobody to tell you what to do, if you think that offends your freedom, if you think that takes you out of the realm of grace, the Bible says in verse eight, he therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God, who also hath given us the Holy Spirit. I guarantee you before a preacher ever 
ever said something to you about the way you're living. I guarantee you that the Holy Spirit said something to you about it. You denied that. You walked away from that. And you'll hear even preachers today out there saying that God didn't call us uh, to tell people how to live. God, God just going to do that by the Holy Spirit. God will take the Holy Spirit and tell somebody to live. Surely he will. But people, I tell you this, God uh, right now will tell you and the Holy Spirit will tell you how to live. But you're just as apt to despise God and his Holy Spirit as you are the preacher that's preaching to you about it. So you got the witness of God's word. You got the witness of the Holy Spirit. And you got the witness of God called men telling you that things ought to be a certain way. And you're going to turn your back on that. That's a threefold witness. That's more than good enough to condemn you. And I tell you now, you may not get condemnation in heaven because you're saved by the grace of God. And your standing is that you're the son of God. But in this flesh, you're going to lose things. In this flesh, the things of this world are going to steal your rewards. In this flesh, you're going to lose some things. Absolutely. You'll lose not only in this life, but in the life to come too. You you not only lose things down here that you ought to have, you lose your joy, lose your peace, lose a lot of things down here in this life, but you'll lose reward in the world to come. You're not willing to follow God's disciplinary plans. And listen, there's not a man on this earth that doesn't have a rebel will and doesn't have a rebel flesh. In my flesh, I'm a rebel. Uh, in my own the lust of my flesh I'm a rebel in in the things that I want to get accomplished in my life sometimes that runs contrary to God's will and makes me a rebel but there has to come a time in my life when I've pursued the things of the flesh so far so far as to ruin my my mindset so far as to ruin my zeal sometimes uh, so far as to ruin my joy that I have to get on my knees and cry out to God and say Lord if I said I wasn't a sinner in this I'd be a liar but I am a sinner help me and forgive me me and get me back on the right track and boy the Lord will help you with that the Lord will help you go on from that point and and sometimes in that case we're able to get that done before we start losing some of the things we've gained but don't go too far don't go so far into rebellion that you lose the things that you've already attained in this Christian life and that's what the Bible says. He says, uh, add to your faith virtue and, uh, and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience. Those things are things that you can avoid. But the Bible says in Second Peter chapter 1, if you avoid those things, the Bible says that he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. But he said, if you, if you abound in those things, you'll never fall. The disciplined life is a life where a man, if a man gets weak or if a man, uh, if a man is weak in faith or he has one of those down in the valley moments, he's not going to, he's not going to fall. He's going to recover because he's disciplined his life. You have times of weaknesses. But Paul said, we are not of them that fall back into perdition. We're not of them that draw back into perdition. He says, our souls are saved. We'll fall back to points of weakness, but we'll never fall back to the place where we go to hell. We got a good standing. And while we got a good standing, boy, we ought to take advantage of that and go forward for God. Get our lives straightened out. Thank God that He's given us the opportunity to get some things right in our life and overcome. Listen, overcome the things of this world. Boy, let, let me move on here. Uh, uh, we're looking at. We were looking over in First Peter, Second Peter, chapter three. Let's move on over to John, First John, chapter one, and we'll finish up here. I believe, I believe, unless the Lord leads us a little bit different way, but I think we'll finish up here in First John, First John, chapter one. I've already read read you these passages of scriptures. Uh, I, 
read them to you just a little bit ago, but he says, uh, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Wouldn't it be nice to have uh, not only the standing of being God's son and being God's child and being God's servant, well, uh, it'd be nice to have that standing of being God's son. Wouldn't it be nice to have the state of being God's servant? Amen. Uh, in this chapter, he says, if we say that we have no sin, he said, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Well, verse number five tells us that God is still holy. Then he said, this is, then is the message we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. No dark speech, no dark dress. No darkness at all. There's no dark attitude. Uh, You can just see in the Christian life today that churches and when I say uh, churches, I mean congregations of of Christians are now turning to a more fierce look, a more dark look. And boy, I've even seen some of that stuff show up in my life. I don't want to be that way. I don't want to be fierce. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be uh, macho to the point of of uh, of hindering God's will or God's work or any such thing as that, uh, have a false bravado in order to uh, to appear as though I'm a uh, a great man or or any type of man at all. But to have God's will in my life and to have God's purpose in my life and to go forward and get things accomplished uh, just proves that God is able to take a man and use a man even in a fallen condition, put the Holy Spirit in his heart, supercharge him to the place where he can get some good uh, work out of him and be uh, have a man be established and walk in the in the uh, full assurance of faith that's a great opportunity for a man to drag himself uh, I should say to be drug up out of the pit by God have his feet set upon a solid rock and turn that man loose to go and get some things done in this world because because men are unwilling to follow the disciplined path they have to dress up in fierce costumes or or put on uh, clothes that make them appear to be more fierce and and boy if 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 that hits home i would just all i would say to you is uh, adjust your attitude if that hits home adjust you adjust your apparel if that hits home adjust the way you appear and if that means you uh, have to discipline yourself to look more professional i mean if you're going to work wear work clothes if you're going to serve god wear god serving clothes i mean just whatever look whatever looks right whatever's uh, less likely to take the uh, uh, take the attention off of you and put it on God do that uh, so that they have no evil thing to say of you and boy that you could just uh, meditate on that and let that settle wherever it settles in your heart that's the good thing about Christianity is you get to pray about things and open God's word and look at things and that's why we're opening God's word today so you can decide for yourself do I want to go this way or do I want to go the way that everybody else is going and you the thing about uh, seeing the way everybody else is going you see where it ends up at just take that to heart and think about it and apply that in your own situations. You'll, so, you'll see exactly what I'm trying to get across to you. He said, if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with him. That's our state. That's not our standard. You be saved. Walk in darkness. Your fellowship is cut off. Sins have separated between you and your God that he will not. He's not going to talk to you in that condition unless you call out to him in the cry of repentance. Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me for that. 
That's discipline. That's a repentant state. You'll never be free from it in the flesh. In this flesh, you'll never be repentant. Uh, you'll never be free from a repentant state if you want to stay right with God. First John chapter 3. Now let's see the difference. First John chapter 3 said, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. First uh, John chapter 1, he said, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We, 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 Christians. He said, if we, de- if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. In chapter number 3, though, verse 9, he says, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. That's your standing right there. You don't commit sin as a Christian. When you get saved and God seals you with his Holy Spirit, when he looks at you, he sees the imputed righteousness of Christ. And as far as your sins are concerned, he sees the death, burial, and resurrection of his son. Sin cannot touch your soul because you're sealed by the Holy Spirit of God until the day God redeems your body. Romans chapter 8 and Ephesians chapter 1. Get in there and read it and study that thing because that's the truth. 1 John chapter 3 said if you're born of God, you cannot commit sin. He says in John chapter 1, if you say you don't have no sin, you deceive yourself. And you see, that is either a contradiction or they're both true. And they are both true. Your standing is you cannot sin, therefore you are safe. You cannot sin because you have Christ's imputed righteousness which cannot be touched by sin. He said, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest in the children of the devil. Whosoever doth not, uh, whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. Neither is neither he that loveth not his brother. When you get saved by the Spirit of God and you recognize from a repentant state that Christ, the sinless one, paid your sin debt, died for you on the cross, and now you loved him because he first loved you and the love of Christ constraineth you because we thus judge that if one died uh, for all, then we're all dead. And you've got that mindset in you now and you begin to work and you begin to follow God. God's going to work some things in you. But there's a place where somebody just says a little prayer and there's no change and there's no repentance and nothing happens and and they, boy, I I don't know about that. I don't know about that because the Bible doesn't cover that. The Bible doesn't say anything about that. The Bible says that people who despise, despise God. And the Bible says those who are repentant uh, and call on the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation, they're saved and they're changed and they become a new creature. And while they may falter and while they may fail and while they may sin and while they may still have trouble in this flesh, there's a difference there. There is a desire. There is a there is a love. There is a determination to follow after God and to walk after God because the old life was no good. And if the flesh is strong enough to drag you back into that old life, there's a spirit within you dragging you back into the new life. And it'll be a warfare that'll be there the whole time you're alive on this earth. Romans chapter number 7 tells you that. Romans chapter 7 tells you that. If the, if the, if the great apostle Paul named himself as the chief of sinners, and if the the great apostle himself said that that he was a wicked man, oh wicked man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this flesh, then that ought to be enough to tell you that as a Christian you have a standing, that you are God's son now, but in this life it is going to have to be a life of fellowship. Now this is my call to you today. Will you, will you surrender to that life? 
of fellowship will you surrender to that life of discipline it's a hard road it's a hard it's a hard road that you'll stumble many times on but it's well worth the stumbles it's well worth the it's well worth the walk and it's well worth the miles spent it's well worth it's well worth the determination that it'll take for you to get up every morning recommit yourself to god and when there comes low times where you get far from god hey just get back up Say, I'm going to go again. I know this is what God expects of me. I know this is what God's will for me is. God bought me with the price. I'm going to leave my, uh, I'm going to leave the rebellion of my flesh behind. I'm going to get back on track for the Lord. There's probably people out there that uh, that's hearing this sermon today. Might be on the internet. Might be right here. But there's people out, there's people out there today all over this world that have been saved, been washed in the blood. Uh, they've had their standing changed from a child of disobedience to a child of God just got tired in this world got got tired of fighting the flesh got away from the Bible got away from a life of prayer got away from the church house and found it all so easy just to give in to the flesh but the way of the transgressor is hard and it gets harder and it gets harder but that hardship I'm telling you partly that hardship is there to remind you hey there's a savior that saved you there's a savior that wanted to lead you down a different path than this but you refuse to go it will you go that path now will you take his hand and go that path with him now he'll lead you will you follow he'll lead you will you follow